before I invite the children to come down uh, for a dismissal to Children's Church today, I wonder, church, if we could read some scripture together. Um, I'd like to, uh, to read together, together, yeah. It's hard for me to, to read by myself. Can we read together from the book of Genesis? And uh, I'd like to read Genesis chapter one, um, starting in verse 24. Uh, would you read along with me? And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every sea that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Would you pray with me? God, we come before you today to study your word and to think about how you're speaking to us to live it out in our lives. Thank you, God, for the chance that we have to read your Bible together. And Lord, as we get ready to dismiss our kids to Children's Church, I pray that they'll learn something about your word, something about your Bible. I pray that they'll learn something about truth today so that they can live well for you too. Thank you, God, for creating us. Help us to use our time and use these lives well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I'd like to invite the kids to come forward. Kids who are going to Children's Church, that is every kid who is at least four years old and who hasn't started second grade yet. So four years old up through first grade. Oh, and today there is also Waterway 2-5. So Waterway 2-5 is for all those kids who are in second grade and all the way through fifth grade. So if you are between four years old and Fifth grade, why don't you come and join me here down in the front? Oh, well, that gets to be a whole bunch of you. All right, well, come on in. Come on in. Pack it in just a little bit closer. <laughs> so, guys, I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Why do you think all of these seats here in the front rows don't have any people in them? Nobody wants to be too close. They can't see anything. They think I'm too loud. That, I, I don't know. I don't know either. It sounds like there's ideas, but no real, no real solid thoughts. Hmm. All right. I should put a dollar bill in each seat. Well, Joey, you bring me a stack of dollar bills next week, and I'll put one in each seat, and we'll see who sits in them. That's a good idea, Joe. I'm glad that you're willing to finance that experiment. Thank you. 
if there were some Hershey kisses there, you would sit in the front? Yeah. Are you, are you going to be here yeah, next I remember, week? I Candy in the front row. People in the back, write that down, all right? Steve, do you think we can do that? Yeah, we can work at that. Well, this feels like a good time to me to dismiss you guys to Children's Church and Waterway 2-5. Can we pray together? Can we pray together? Now, you can kind of pray however you want to because God doesn't tell us like a specific way to pray. I like to pray with my hands together and my eyes closed and my head bowed. Lord, I thank you for these boys and girls, for these young men and young ladies. Lord, as they go to Children's Church and as they go to Waterway 2-5 today, Lord, would you please, would you please speak to them as you speak to us? Lord, you speak through your word and, and you speak to our hearts. Thank you, God. Lord, speak. We're listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you, boys and girls. You can walk out to the back there now. All right, well, now that we are dismissing them, that opens up your seats a little bit. You have a little bit more room. But if you are feeling crowded, all these seats up here, Grace, it's not so bad to sit in the front row, is it? Well, Ethan, Austin, are you comfortable? It depends on if you put on deodorant. It depends if I put on deodorant, so you're always comfortable. Thank you. I knew it. I knew. Well, there are seats here in the front. If, uh, if you need to kind of get some more elbow room, now's a great time to move. We won't call you out or make fun of you. We will cheer you and, and be glad for you. But there are seats in the front if you'd like to come forward and make sure that you can hear hear me really well as the kids were concerned. Well, listen, today um, I'd like to unpack with you a little bit of this passage in Genesis that we just read from Genesis chapter one. Um, this is not going to be a sermon or a series of sermons specifically about creation, although that's what Genesis chapter one and chapter two are about. It talks about how God created the earth and how humanity got to be here. Um, I don't want to talk specifically about that. That's a different series for a different time. But I got to thinking this week. Um, we had baptisms last Sunday. We had um, some folks who were baptized after the service. We are going to have baptisms today. That doesn't happen for us a lot. Once or twice or three times a year, we do baptisms. That's when, when people say they're kind of making a first time or at least a first public confession of faith. They're saying, I believe in Jesus and I want to I go through baptism as a symbol of that belief. That's a big deal for us. And, and it's a big deal for you too, because some of you wouldn't be here if we didn't have a baptism, baptism service today, right? So this is notable. This is something that is important to Mark. And so I was thinking about it this week and, and I was thinking, what are the things, if there's a short list of things that I want to make sure that every person understands who's getting baptized, what are those things that I want them to know? Now we have, we have a, a, a kind of an explorer's class, it's kind of a membership class sort of thing, a baptism class that, that all these folks who are getting baptized, they've been through that. And so they understand some things about church and salvation and God and humanity. But what are the couple of core things? And here are the three things that I want to think about with you today. And these are the three things that I'm hoping everybody who's baptized, and frankly, all of us who are in the room, I hope we understand these. Three core things. And you might say, that's really simple and really basic. But I think when we begin to misunderstand these things is when we get into trouble. The first thing that, that we all should know, but especially people who are getting baptized, they should know that God loves them so much. That's simple, right? It's pretty, but, but how often do we forget that God loves us? We start to look at ourselves as if I'm some kind of a problem, I'm some kind of a mistake, I don't matter, and we forget that God loves us. So I, I hope everybody knows that God loves us so much. I hope everybody getting baptized knows that God sent Jesus to rescue and save them so that we are never out of hope, 
right? If God cares about us enough to send Jesus Christ to save us out of our sins, out of our misery, out of our mistake, that means that God loves us enough to provide everything we need for anything that he hopes for, and so we should be hopeful as well. So I hope everybody who's getting baptized knows that God loves you so much and that God sent Jesus to rescue you and save you so that you're never out of hope. And the third thing I think that's really important, and as I talk to folks who are going through kind of counseling situations or hard life situations, it just hits me that we need to remember that even as a Christian, the rest of your life on this earth is going to be a battle. Even as a Christian, the rest of your life on this earth is going to be a battle. Now, there are lots of different kinds of Christians, people who call themselves different names, different kinds of churches and denominations. Our particular style is, is we are a Mennonite church. And one of the things that that means is that, that we emphasize peace over war. We emphasize non-resistance over violence. And so I'd like to think that I'm a peacemaker. I try to teach what it means to be a peacemaker. But church, we can be peacemakers and still be involved in a battle. This is the kind of stuff I want to talk about today and for the next couple of weeks. God loves us so much. And God sent his son Jesus to rescue us and save us so that we're never out of hope. But the rest of our life, even with God, is going to be a battle. There's victory in that battle. But it is a fight. Are there any of you, are there any of you who can ruin my sermon today by saying that, put your hand down, Steve. Are there any of you here who can ruin my sermon today by saying, I'm an old man or an old woman, Steve? Okay. I'm an old man or an old woman, and I have finally figured it out, and life is now easy and I'm perfect. Any of you there? Just curious. Because I've been living in and working through this Christianity thing for a long time, and I know that the Lord has saved me, and I know that the Holy Spirit is in my life, and I know that my life is still a struggle sometimes outwardly and inwardly, right? As I try to make the decisions of what it means to live well. And I've been at that for a while. There are some of you in this room who have been at it longer than me, working at it perhaps more intensely than I have been. And yet, are you perfect yet? Now, that's what I mean when I say that life, even with the Lord, life is always going to be a battle. And here's, here's the rub. Here's the problem. And here's why I think this is so important for us to remember. Because I know a lot of people who are wondering whether God loves them. And they are wondering whether they are saved. Because their reality is that life is hard right now. So that's what I want to talk about. That's what I want to talk about today. And this is why we start in Genesis chapter 1. In verse 24, we find ourselves at this spot. This is on the sixth day of God's creation. Okay, God has been creating uh, and organizing the earth, bringing things out of chaos and creating out of nothing. And God is arranging the earth and the stars and the sky and the way that things are going to be on this globe and the way that things are in the universe. That's the first five days. And now here on the sixth day, God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God speaks and it is so. Okay, it says in verse 25 of Genesis chapter one, that God made the wild animals according to their kinds. And we can look around and, see, and say there's all kinds of animals, right? Well, this is kind of what we're talking about. There is, there is some scientific power in all this if we wanted to go super deep, but this is also pretty basic. You younger ones can understand this, can't you? God made wild animals. He made livestock. 
And he made all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. All of those animals God made said it was good. And then after making the animals, God said in verse 26 of Genesis chapter one, let us, now that's interesting. God didn't just say, let me make mankind in our image. God said, let us make mankind in our image. Who is this? Who is this group? Who is this collection that is making mankind in their image? That's tempting to to get off into weird bunny trails, but let me just tell you that the answer is in John chapter one. If any of you'd like to do a little bit more research today, go to the gospel of John. John talks about how in the beginning, back when all things were formed, there was a perfect communion of father and son and Holy Spirit, the triune God. That's what's being talked about here in Genesis chapter one. Verse 26, God says, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect harmony, working together, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So, verse 27, God had an idea. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit said together, let us do this. And so it says that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Do you hear some of the pattern coming through here? Do you hear some of the repetition? God says, in our likeness, in my own image, in the image of God. What does this mean? Because this is really important. Some of you who who like to mess around with other languages, you've heard of the imago dei, right? The image of God. What does this mean? Well, it means that God didn't take a pattern for humans from the rest of creation. God didn't just say, well, hey, this other stuff that I made, which he declared good, He didn't say these animals and and these wild creatures and the livestock and the things on the ground, the birds, they're pretty cool. Let's make something like that. No, God said, let me make something in my image. We are in ways like God. And by the way, this is the reasoning behind why our mission at Waterways to help everyone we know become more like Jesus. Jesus was a complete, unspoiled, unmarred image of what it means to be human. So he is our model, our example. We want to be like him because we are made in the image of God. And there's a lot that we've given away and there's a lot that we've surrendered. There's a lot that we still have to fight for. But the pattern is that we would be like Jesus. So God didn't make humans from some other pattern in nature. We are made in God's image and it means that we're different than the animals. God has shared power with humanity in such a way that is not shared with the rest of creation. We are created, we are created as humans to rule over the fish and the birds and the animals and all this kind of stuff. This is why John read for us this morning from Psalm chapter eight. In Psalm eight, David is acknowledging this truth, saying as he spoke to God, saying, you have made them, that is humans, a little lower than the angels because we're not as powerful as the angels. The angels were created before we were. You have made humans a little lower than the angels and crowned humans with glory and honor. You've made humans ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, animals of the wild, birds in the sky, fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. This is part of what it means to be made in God's image. We are people who are delegated power. 
We make decisions and our decisions matter because God designed human to be that way. I just wonder, something you can think about, go home and, and talk about over lunch. It seems that if you read some other parts of scripture that God had created the angels before humans were created and they were existing in the heavenly realms. I wonder what it was like for Satan and those who were so jealous for power, for those angels who had turned against God. I wonder what it was like for them to see God create us with all of our weakness and yet give us his power and let us be in charge of this planet. Perhaps the earth was so insignificant that Satan and his angels didn't care much. But I wonder if this privilege that God gave us, this dignity, the fact that we are made in God's image in a special way, I wonder if that made Satan jealous at all. Ah, tuck that away. Something to think about. We'll circle back around next week. Because there's more of Genesis chapter 1. It says in verse 29 that God said then, after he had made humanity, he said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And so in the beginning, before sin came, while everything was still in alignment with God, everyone and everything was vegetarian. This is what, this is what we're being pointed toward when we see prophecies about the future that say that the lion will lie down with the lamb. There'll, there'll be no threat for the lamb anymore because it's going to be going back to God's original intention that, that all things be vegetarian. Now, that doesn't mean that it's wrong to eat meat now. But let me just tell you that like so many other things, we are living in a situation that was not exactly as God designed it. Creation has been broken. Creation has been placed under a curse and creation is different now than it was in the Garden of Eden because of the decisions that we made as God's representatives on earth. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Getting ahead of myself, that's not right at all. I'm getting ahead of myself. <sighs> God saw all that he made. This includes the world and everything in it. This includes all the animals and the fish and the birds. This includes the people. God saw all that he made. All that he made. And it was very good. It wasn't just good. It was now very good. And there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. What is Genesis 1 telling us? Well, among other things, it is telling us that we are made, humans are made in the image of God, and we are blessed with powers for procreation, right? God says, go fill the earth, have babies. So we're blessed with powers for procreation. We're blessed, frankly, just with God's power to be rulers over this earth. Any of you, uh, any of you cattlemen or cattlewomen? Any, any of you tame animals for a living or as a hobby? It, it's a blessing sometimes when it goes well, but it can be a challenge when it's difficult. But you are kind of working out a bit of what it means to be ruling over and subduing. John, when you go home this week and cut down that limb off of that crab apple tree, you will be ruling over and subduing the creation around you. You will be stewarding it well. Amen. 
God saw all that he made and it was very good. And he created humans with the ability for procreation, with the ability to, to use and channel God's power. And God gave them a provision in paradise, right? All this food, here you go. And this is Adam and Eve. And now this is their place in the garden of Eden, which is on a portion of the earth where we live now. And we can see a glimpse of what God made us for. One of the things that I hope everybody knows who gets baptized is just understanding how much God loves us. Humans, do you see God's intention in building us? He made all the animals and then, and then he moved on from that, said that's good, but then he built us. He built Adam and Eve. He built humanity as people who are different, people who have this blessing to be partners with God in a way that the animals simply are not. I don't care how much you love your dog. I don't care how much you love your horse or your goldfish or your guinea pig or your cows or your pigs. or I don't know what animals you love. I don't care how much you love them, but you are different than they are because you are made in the image of God and they're not. They're simply good creation. But when God made humans, he looked and saw that everything was very good. Can you see humans, how much God thinks of us to create us that way? Now, we need to be careful because we're, we're walking on a tightrope now. We don't want to ever get into pride and arrogance and the kind of thing that makes us get all selfish to think that, well, now I can do what I want to do. No, no, no. This is all under the authority of our Lord God. We never surpass him. But do you see the great privilege that we've been given to be humans if you're still struggling with all this, think about how God responded to our foolishness. See, you can tell how much somebody loves someone, not only by how they act in the good times, but how they act in the bad times. You can really see how much somebody loves their kids when they don't kill them. <laughs> it's one thing to say, I love my kids when they're playing nicely or, or when they're somewhere else, you know, in a place far out. But when they are right there and saying, no, I didn't listen to you at all. I did whatever I wanted to, and I'm going to do it again. That's when you really have your love tested, right? When the person who you've been in love with betrays you, that's when love is tested. What did God do when humans turned on him? You can see that just two chapters later in Genesis chapter three. It didn't take very long. Adam and Eve had not even procreated yet before they turned away from God before they sinned and disobeyed God's very direct and very gracious word, before they were then removed from that perfect garden of Eden and put out into the rest of the world. And God said, life is now going to be hard for you. All of that happened. And this is how God responded. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, that this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, God loves us so much that not only did he create us different than everything else with the privilege and the power and the ability for procreation, God built us in such a way that even when we fell, he still loved us. Sent his son, Jesus. But though God continues to love us, humanity continues to turn away. That's what happened after Adam and Eve turned away from God. In Genesis chapter three, you can read all about it. And the whole rest of the Old Testament is, is how God was trying to build a people and work with his people and, and how God got things to a place where his son Jesus came to earth and made a big difference forever for all who would turn to him. 
But humanity, after Adam and Eve took things on their own, even though they were given such dignity, and even though they were made in the image of God, they took it upon themselves, because their decisions mattered. They took it upon themselves to turn away from God. And, and humans have been doing that ever since. The book of Ephesians, written by the Apostle Paul a few decades after Jesus walked on this earth, just about eh, not quite 2,000 years ago. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. He said, as for you, you Christians, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And Paul says to the church, he says, all of us also lived among them, that is, among our transgressions and sins, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. We were broken when humanity and when Adam and Eve as our representatives stepped away from God. We were broken and all of humanity since then has been making mistakes. We've been committing sins. But God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus so that when we believe in him and when we ask him to forgive us of our sins, we can be restored. Again, love shows itself in how it deals with trouble. And so in John 3, 16, how many of you could quote some version of this verse? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that is Jesus, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I hope every person who's making a commitment to the Lord understands the radical love of God. For God to have built humanity the way that he did and now to rescue us through his son, Jesus Christ, to care about us and not just write us off. Oh, isn't it easy to write off the people that you don't love very much? Oh, fine, I just won't see them again. I just won't go there. I won't invite them anymore, and I certainly won't accept their invitation. Do you have any people like that in your life? They don't love you, and you're struggling in, in your command to love them, but you've just given distance, and you've said, oh, okay, that's, that's a relationship that's going to have to be on pause for now. What does God do? He sends his very son, Jesus, to die on a cross in our place, even though all of us have turned against him. God loves us so much, he created humans in his own image. And when we turn from him, there were and are great consequences that all of us deal with, but we are not abandoned. God sent Jesus to give us a way to be saved and restored and brought back into fellowship with him. Do you understand, church, that this is how much God loves you? God loves you so much that he has given this opportunity for you to come to Jesus Christ. It says in Romans chapter eight, that Jesus Christ who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus right now is in heaven praying for us, church. And then the apostle Paul goes on in Romans eight thirty-five. he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul goes on to, to get a little bit more specific. He says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present or the future or any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There is nothing that can separate us from God. There is nothing that can separate us from God's love. No, in all these things, in, in danger and sword and nakedness, persecution and famine, those are all battles that we fight, right? This is why I say that the rest of our life will be battles, but we are more than conquerors even through those things. And God's love will never be far from us when we continue to turn to him through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing in creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, unless we decide 
to separate ourselves. See, remember, God created Adam and Eve as his small rulers here on this earth. God gave them the power over all of creation and especially over the animals to rule and subdue. God gives still so many of us. How how many of you shape creation some way every day? In the way that you work the ground, in the way that you deal with the animals, in the way that you oversee those things, right? God created humans with the dignity of causation, right? Our decisions matter. We get to make choices and our choices matter. That's what rulers do. But some of us, some of us have chosen to walk apart from God. You know people like this, and I do too. They've said, no, I don't want that. I'm not going to do that. So I open today by thinking about what I would like to make sure that the people getting baptized know. I'd like to make sure that God loves, make sure you know that God loves you so much. He created us in his image, even though we turned on him. And God sent Jesus to rescue and save us so that we are never out of hope. God loved us enough to send his son. And Jesus loved us enough to come to earth and pay for our sins. Now, even for those of us who accept Jesus, we can't be ripped away from his love. But even for those of us who believe in Jesus, even those of us who are saved by Jesus and who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live for Jesus, I just want to suggest to you that the third thing that we all need to know, and if you're making a commitment to Christ today, I hope you understand that the rest of your life on this earth is going to be a battle because our saved hearts and our saved lives are not the only things that are real. See, this is where we get trapped up. We start to think that, well, now I've given my life to God. I've made my commitment to him. And now all things are going to start working out for me. Well, is that how it works, Christians? You may have heard preachers and pastors tell you that when you turn to God, there will be be blessings that will manifest themselves in comfort or in power or in wealth. And I would say there are great blessings from God, but I will tell you that there will continue to be battles no matter how you are blessed. Some have even said that with more money, there are more problems. Anybody grow up through the 90s? God loves you so much. He sent Jesus to rescue and save us, but the rest of our life on this earth is going to be a battle. And this is where we get trapped up because we start to think life is so hard. If, I was, if, if God was real and he was good and actually loved me, would it be this hard? If I was saved and if I was in the right place with God and if I am more than a conqueror and if God really does have this kind of, would it be this difficult? Does he want me to go through this stuff? And, and what I want to tell you and what we're going to talk about next week is that God's power is not the only power in this world. God's power is supreme. But we still have to deal with our flesh. We still have to deal with consequences of our sin. And we still have an enemy. We'll spend more time talking about this next week, but... We have to be on our toes, church, because there is a battle for our mind and for our hearts, and we are swept up in it when we make a decision to follow God. Last week, we had six people who were scheduled to be baptized. One of them was not able to follow through with that desire because Natalie, just a day or two before we were getting ready to have our baptisms, she had um, some difficulties with her pregnancy, had to go to the hospital and and said, "I, I can't make it on Sunday for baptism, and this is just not, and I said, absolutely, you know, this is the kind of stuff that happens. We had seven people scheduled to be baptized today. Two of them are not here today. One of them is my daughter, Bree. The other one is Samantha Smoker. They're both girls. They're 12 years old. They were at summer camp this week because they're excited about Jesus, and they love Jesus. They've made commitments to Jesus Christ. They want to be baptized. This morning, Bree's at home dealing with a staph infection. 
that came out. It didn't come from camp. Don't know where it came from, but we're pretty sure it didn't come from, but it's, it's just a terrible mess, and her hands have blisters all over them. Her face has breakouts all over it, and it's starting to pop up, and we've been to the hospital three times this week, down to DuPont, and they're adjusting, well, this antibiotic's not working, and that one, and, and it's okay. This isn't a life-threatening thing, but it's terrible. She was at summer camp for two days. The nurse called us 11 o'clock Monday night, sent us some pictures. I said, oh, that's bad. We picked her up Tuesday, took her to DuPont. She was home two days. Okay, the, the antibiotics seemed to be starting to work. Go ahead, go back to camp Thursday night, have her last day there. Friday night was worse. Yesterday she came home early from the beach, tried to get a little, just squeeze out a little bit of fun at the beach and, and had to come home because it was worse. And the, DuPont, emergency room, 6.30 on Saturday night. Why are my hands this way? And I'll tell you, all week, oh, she's been praying. People have been praying for her. I have been praying. That's not getting better yet. Life's a battle. Sometimes the battle is, is for our bodies, but I mean, sometimes it's just for our hearts, isn't it? Because how do you interpret that? How do you interpret that if you're a 12-year-old girl or a 46-year-old dad? Oh, God, but we've been praying. God, don't you love us? Yeah, God loves us. But what's the temptation? What does Satan love to come in and whisper? Yeah, but he's holding out on you, isn't he? Because God could heal you. These are the things that we're talking about in my house just this week. As we're dealing with a young lady who has committed her life to Christ and wants to show it in baptism. And now this morning I got a call from Samantha Smoker, her father Jeff, and, and two of her sisters are here in the building today, but she's home with her mom. Because Samantha has a skin thing going on too. It's weird, kooky, and Bree and Samantha, we live next door, right? And so the girls are together a lot. I don't know exactly, medically, germanologically, what's happening here. But I know it's fishy that this is all happening when these two girls were getting ready to get baptized. And I know that, I know that if we were to just let them come to their own conclusions about this, it's not so unusual to think that they might give up some faith, Right? If, if we who are more mature in our faith aren't there to continue to pray with them, to continue to guide them and talk to them and, and train them up in their faith, you know how easy it'd be for them to say, well, maybe this faith thing isn't even real. Maybe God doesn't love me enough to save me right now. Maybe this baptism thing's not that important because, well, if God didn't want me to have these blisters, I wouldn't. Do you know those agreements? Do you know those kinds of words? Have you ever said those kinds of things? If God really loved me, would I be struggling financially the way I am? Because can't God do anything? Doesn't God own the cattle on a thousand hillsides? Can't God? Maybe God doesn't love me. You see the trap that we fall into? This is the battle, church, that we are fighting all the time to keep our minds focused on Christ, to keep our attitudes focused. If, if God really loved me, oh, I'm saved and I committed my, and I repented of everything and I asked God for his help, but why do I still deal with this temptation? If God really loved me, couldn't he just take that away? And yet I fall over and over, but maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe this Christianity thing's fake. Maybe this power's not real. Do you see the traps that we can fall into? Do you see the battle that we're fighting? Christians, you get this. 
And if there are some of you in the room who are, you're still kind of figuring out this Christianity thing, or maybe, maybe Christianity is not for you for some of the reasons that I'm talking about it, and you don't buy it, I understand. Because so many of us have been conditioned to think that, that well, if I just love God enough, and if, I, if I'm just repentant enough, if I am faithful enough, then all the bad stuff is going to go away. And church, I'm going to tell you, that's not how it works. God gives us victory, but there are still battles to fight. God helps us to overcome, but there are still things that must be overcome. God gives us patience and strength through the pain, but oh, on this earth, there is still pain because remember, this earth is still living under a curse. We're not in the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve were put in. Sin broke all of that for now. And God is preparing a new heaven and a new earth where we're all going to go after Jesus comes back if we believe in Jesus Christ. This is a promise, but now we live in this in-between spot where God has saved our souls. God has given us hope, and he still loves us, but there is a battle to fight every day, and if you don't understand that, you're going to get tripped up because life is hard. 1 Peter 5.8, Peter was one of those disciples, one of the very closest to Jesus, and several decades after Jesus died on the cross, but before Peter died on his cross, Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 5.8. He said to the Christians, he said, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What did Peter mean by that? He means that we have an enemy who's looking for us to devour us. Life on this earth is a battle. And again, we'll talk about that more next week. What does that look like? How do we deal with that? How do we process that? But life on this earth is about remember that Christ Jesus who died for us, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or infection or, or heartache, or temptation. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then the apostle Paul, writing to the Christians in Rome, said, I'm convinced that neither life or death, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God loved us enough to make us humans. And God loved us humans enough to send us Jesus Christ who will be our savior for all who will turn to him. And as we live out the rest of this life on this earth where we are not at home, we are strangers here in this place. As we live this out, there will be battles, but praise God, he still loves us and still gives us victory through Jesus Christ. But just don't be shocked by the fight. Christians, humans, don't be shocked by the fight. Just fight. We will be the fighting peacemakers. Will you pray with me? We got to pray about this because we don't fight on our own power. We, we don't fight just, just on our own resources. We are blessed that we still do have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us who, who helps us to stand, who helps us to overcome those temptations, who helps us to have patience when we struggle with physical challenges and disease, who helps us to be able to stay focused on God even though every part of our being seems to want to go somewhere else. Let's pray to the God who gives us strength 
so we don't fall into the trap of relying on ourselves. Will you pray with me? Oh, God, thank you for loving us so much. And thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you for saving those of us who have responded to your call of salvation. Thank you for forgiving us and setting us free from our sins. And thank you, Lord, for sending your Holy Spirit to fill up those who are believers so when the day of struggle comes, we may take our stand. Lord, help us to remember how much we're loved and, and help us to remember that you sent your son Jesus so that we could have hope. But Lord, for those of us who are struggling right now, would you please remind us that the struggle doesn't, doesn't mean that you don't love us? Would you remind us that the struggle is not a sign that you've forgotten us or cut us off or that you don't care about us? Lord, would you remind us that the struggle is not an indication that we're necessarily way off track? Lord, would you just remind us that, that the struggle is an indication that our enemy, the devil, fears us and hates us? Lord, would you remind us, would you remind us that you are still at work even though things are hard. Help us this week, Lord, to lean in to you, to find our strength in you, to remember your love, to remember your salvation. Help us to remember that you've promised us victory and that you are preparing a place for us where there will be no more of this struggle. But Lord, help us to, help us to lean on you and, and help us to lean well on each other as we battle as we battle the flesh and the forces of the evil one in this world. Lord, help us to love you. Thank you, God, for making us in your image. Please form us to be more and more and more like you. Lord, we pray, not out of our own strength, but we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who is your son, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.